hey man, we should just keep going. But we are going to spend just a few minutes in God's word as the orchestra takes a little refreshment and then we look forward to them coming back and playing their last piece for us. If you are visiting, so glad that you can join us for this special evening. We normally have our evening service at 6 o'clock and for quite some time have been working our way slowly through the book of Exodus. And we have been in the passage of scripture where the Israelites commit that grievous sin of making and worshiping before the golden calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain and throws down the stone tablets in righteous anger. And now this evening we come to the end of chapter 32. We see that Moses, for all that he can do for the people of Israel, yet there is one thing that even he is incapable of doing. Exodus 32, beginning at verse 25. And when Moses saw that the people had broken loose, for Aaron had let them break loose to the derision of their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered around him, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor. And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. And Moses said, Today you have been ordained for the service of the Lord, each one at the cost of his son and of his brother, so that he might bestow a blessing upon you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps... I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has sinned a great sin. They have made for themselves gods of gold. But now if you will forgive their sin. But if not, please blot me out of your book that you have written. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. But now go, lead the people to the place about which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you nevertheless. In the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. Then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf, the one that Aaron made. Many of us, when we're children, go through a phase when we imagine that our mom and our dad can do anything. Don't ask my kids if they've gone through that phase, but I remember thinking back when I was growing up and it seemed like my dad, when we went on vacation, he could just drive forever, never stop, never ask for directions, but never stop, just he could keep going. And he knew computers even before everyone knew computers and he could come home from work and somehow we had food and we had the money that we needed and he traveled all over the world and went to all these exotic places and he was uh, big and tall and could sing loudly and well and pray in front of people and I thought he just could do everything. Of course I didn't know until later that all sorts of things that he couldn't do. He couldn't hunt, he couldn't fish, he couldn't fix cars, couldn't shoot a basketball very well, etc. But I didn't know those things. One of my sons asked me one time, Dad, how come you're good at everything? I said, I'm not good at everything. I just do the things with you that I'm good at. (laughs) Then my mom, she also worked. 
since we were uh, in elementary school. And uh, she did that very well. And she did all the things that many moms do well. She knew how to do everything related to the home and to the children, it seemed. Always making food, cleaning things up, bandaging us, taking us to the doctor, getting us braces, running us to and fro. She paid the bills. It seemed like she never slept. And of course, now that I'm an adult, I realize, yeah, moms don't ever sleep. That's true. Well, we've been going through the book of Exodus, and it looks as if Moses can do anything. He marches in, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he stands there with arms outstretched and the people win in battle. And then the Red Sea parts and he leads the people through and he strikes the water from the rock and he goes up the mountain where no one else can go. He intercedes for them and God listens and he speaks to them as a man speaks face to face to a friend. He gets the Ten Commandments with the finger of God and he smashes them in righteous anger. He grounds up the calf. He makes them drink of it. He confronts his own brother Aaron. Seems as if this Moses can do anything. In fact, Moses is even more impressive when you realize how he resembles the Christ who is to come. Have you thought about these connections before? Shortly after Jesus' birth, he's rushed away to safety to avoid the wrath of a jealous king who had ordered all the boys to be killed. Now, where else does that happen in the Bible but Exodus 1, where Pharaoh fears the Hebrews, and so he orders that every baby boy be thrown into the Nile. And Moses was spared because his mother hid him in a basket. Likewise, Jesus was spared Herod's decree because his mother hid him in Egypt. Out of Egypt I have called my son. So Moses left Egypt just as Jesus went to Egypt to flee from Herod. They both left behind, Moses and Christ, a royal existence that they might identify with a captive people. A captive people who would, at least initially, reject them both as their deliverers. And following on the heels of Jesus' exodus out of Egypt, we come in the Gospels to his baptism in the Jordan. So, just like the Israelites left Egypt and passed through the Red Sea... Paul says they were baptized into the Red Sea. Jesus leaves Egypt, baptized, at least leaving in the sequence of the Gospels, then baptized in the Jordan River. And where do we find after this baptism in the Red Sea or in the Jordan River? But Moses leads the people in the wilderness, eventually spending 40 days and 40 nights with the Lord. And if you know the Gospel of Matthew, where is Jesus after The Red Sea slash Jordan River, Matthew 4, he's in the desert about to be tempted and he will be there for 40 days and 40 nights. These parallels between Moses and Christ. And then where does Jesus go after this deliverance? But he goes up to a mountain to embrace his role as the lawgiver and he gives the sermon on the mount just as Moses would go up to the mountain and receive from God the law. So Moses is a type of Christ, and Christ in the Gospels is presented as a new Moses. We are meant to see great similarities between the two. And up to this point, if you know the New Testament, you know that the parallels are uncanny between Moses and Christ. But now at the end of chapter 32, we come to the crux of the matter, literally 
the cross of the matter. For all the ways that Moses is like Christ, and for all the things that Moses can do for the people of God, here's what he cannot do. He cannot offer his life as an atonement for sin. You notice, he says in verse 30, you have sinned a great sin. Earlier in the passage, it is called, again, a great sin. Later in verse 31, again, alas, this people have sinned a great sin. In the golden calf, they broke the first commandment, the second commandment, the third commandment, the seventh commandment, the tenth commandment. If we had long enough, they probably broke all the commandments. This catastrophic fall represented a new kind of fall from grace, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. And we see again at the end of chapter 32 how offensive this sin was to God. They had made gods of gold. Verse 25, they had broken loose. So picture people in debauchery and revelry with hair hanging loose and wild and so out of control. We read in verse 25, they had broken loose to the derision of their enemies. What does derision mean? It means ridicule, scorn. Some translations say a laughing stock. In other words, the enemies of God's people looked at them and they said, some holy people you are, some royal priesthood you've become. Never underestimate the power of a changed life to make even the skeptic sit up and notice. And never underestimate the power of hypocrisy to embolden the enemies of God. Here it's the latter. (laughs) Look at those chosen people, a priesthood, holy God, deliver them from mighty Pharaoh. They look just like the rest of us, having their wild party, their God smash their idols. They thought the Israelites were laughable. This is not a formidable foe. They don't worship a mighty God. This was a national failure on the grandest scale. So Moses is angry at their sin. And now we see the Lord is angry with their sin. And so he sends out the Levites. Whose side are you on? And they come forward. And they go through and they kill family, friends, neighbors. You see there in verse 27, brother, companion, neighbor. Don't you think that this is likely what Jesus had in mind? When he said in Matthew 10, I have come to set a man against his father, daughter against mother, brother against brother. Whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me think that the Israelites had an example in their own history of what Jesus was talking about? Oh, that's the Levites. Who's on the Lord's side? You just imagine all the Levites. Yes, we're on the Lord's side. What do you want for us to do? Go out and preach the gospel? No. Get her sword. Kill your companions, your family members, your neighbors. Now, it says in the text that 3,000 people died. We know there were many more. The whole whole nation had committed this idolatry. So it's likely that this represented the leaders of the people, the ringleaders, the the tribal heads, those who had instigated it or should have known better. 3,000 of their kinsmen are put to death. 
then Moses says, perhaps, verse 30, perhaps I can make atonement. And then in verse 32, now if you will forgive their sin, God, but, 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 but if, if, if you can't do that, blot me out of your book. Can I pay for it, God? This phrase, to blot out of my book, was a familiar one in the ancient world. A king would keep a written record, a census. And when someone died, their name would be blotted out. No longer liable for taxation or military duty or property. Now this phrase, blotting out, could be a reference to eternal life, losing and forfeiting in some sense as God's people, their eternal inheritance. It could also simply mean earthly life, kill me. Psalm 69, 28, let them be blotted out of the book of the living. Let them not be enrolled among the righteous. So we hear this as eternal life, but the psalmist there use it simply as life here on earth. Blot me out of my book. They deserve to die, but why don't you kill me, God? Why don't you take me out? Can my life atone for their sins? Surely, if anyone could have atoned for their sins. It was Moses. Some of us think that sometimes the people we love, maybe kids or grandkids, or God, could you just, could you take it out on me? Could you give it to me? Could I, could I, could I pay for it somehow? But of course, for all that Moses can do, he cannot atone for their sins. I was joking with Nathan that I was going to put the title for this message in the bulletin. I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. But I didn't want the orchestra to break out into a meatloaf song behind us. The Lord says, no, no, you cannot do that. Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Yes, you will go. You will go to the promised land. My angel will go before you, verse 34. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. We mentioned several weeks ago in this same passage in chapter 32, when there was the sound of singing and shouting when Moses came down from the mountain. And we connected the dots with another occasion When God would come down to visit his people and there it was not the sound of singing or shouting, but it was the sound of sobbing that we heard. Do you remember that from several weeks ago? It's the Palm Sunday account in Luke chapter 19. And when Jesus drew near and saw the city Jerusalem, he wept over it saying, would that you Even you had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And then listen to this. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. In Exodus 32, the Lord says, Nevertheless, in the day when I visit... I will visit their sins upon them. And some 1,500 years later, again, when God would come to his people, this time not thundering from a mountain, but riding lowly on a colt, 
foal of a donkey, approaching the people, looking over the city, Jesus would weep. This time, because as the Lord came with his divine visitation, it was not a visitation for judgment, but it was a visitation for salvation. And yet again, the people did not know the God who had come before them. We've just entered into this season that some church traditions call Lent. These 40 days are not, first of all, a story about how suffering can be sanctified or a story of how Jesus suffered for all humanity so we can suffer with humanity. No, no, Holy Week, as we approach it, is more than a story about a good man who died a sad death and came back to life. The cross is about the atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's about the Lord Jesus doing what Moses could not do, what your heroes cannot do, what John Calvin cannot do, what Martin Luther King Jr. cannot do, what your grandparents cannot do, what the godliest person in this church cannot do, and that is to atone for your sins. I did call the sermon the day the plague stopped, because As the Levites went through the camp, imagine the horror of the people seeing their own kinsmen with swords striking through the chest. Those who had been rebellious, thinking to themselves, when will it stop? When is it enough? When will the plague be over? When will our sins be paid for? Even Moses cannot atone for our sins. God has promised to visit upon us our own iniquity. And you think of those glorious words that Christ will say on the cross after he weeps over Jerusalem for the people not knowing who had visited them and not knowing the judgment that would come upon them. He says, it is finished. The resurrection three days later of the crucified Messiah is the loud declaration that Jesus, unlike Moses, was enough Enough to atone for sin, enough to reconcile you to God, enough to present you before God holy and blameless, enough to free you from the curse of the law, enough to assure you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all been treacherous idolaters. You say, there's no golden calf in my house. Oh, it wouldn't take very long to find them to find them hanging on the wall, to find you pursuing them through the week, to find them hidden within our hearts. But Christ has given us a better word. It will be counted to us as righteousness when we believe in him who raised from the dead our Lord Jesus, the one delivered up for our trespasses, raised for our justification, For the sake of rebellious idolaters, the blessed one was blotted out. Moses said, blot me out from your book. And God said, you can't do it, Moses. But there's one coming who will. And he was brought back to life. Come to him. Bow before him. Run to him. Be raised with him.
and enjoy the promise and one day the fulfillment of the promised land that will never end. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give thanks for your word, for all that you teach us in it. We give thanks for the gift of music and how we see your gifts of common grace and to see men and women who love you use their time and talent and gifts. We thank you most of all for your word, which gives us the right interpretation of all these things. So Lord, even as we enjoy the gifts that are to come back before us, we pray that you would give us the greatest gift, which is to know our sin and to know our only Savior, the Lord Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.